Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. In Las Vegas, you meet some fascinating people because of the type of backgrounds that are attracted to Las Vegas because of entertainment and the history of the city and so forth. And one such person we're talking to today is Athena Calhoun. Now, first of all, from the last name you might recognize, she comes from entertainment royalty. We're going to talk to her about that and really a fascinating career she's had and what she's doing today. So, Athena, first, welcome. You've lived pretty much in Las Vegas most of your life. Is that right? Thank you for having me here, Steve. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I have lived in, in Las Vegas most of my life, though I was born in Los Angeles. My grandfather came here in 1957. Someone saw him playing cards back in New York and said, if you ever want a job, come on over. So he did, and he had a 25-career uh, job uh, at the Sands as a blackjack dealer. And that's how my family first came here in 57. Yeah, it's amazing how many people are connected with, like, you know, they've either dealt cards, done something. This community is, uh, for a place that's really big right now, seems like when you talk about some of the folks that started, it's a sh- uh, kind of a small-knit community. Well, you know, I, I was born in Los Angeles and grew up there my first 10 years with my mother. But uh, ever since I was a little child, I was always coming to Las Vegas, having extended stays uh, with my grandparents. And I, I actually went to various levels of school here, uh, including elementary, middle school, high school. I graduated high school here. I went straight to UNLV and I got my BA and then I got my master's degree and so I yeah I've been here a long time and I've been in the show business end of it as well and uh, my mother who was an another another famous person actually not just my father but my mother was an actress in Hollywood Vettina Marcus and um, she's best known for her spot the green lady in lost in space but has done many western sci-fi and she uh, we all moved here together and uh so, you know, uh, they once did an, uh, a newspaper article on us, the uh, typical, not-so-typical Las Vegas family, uh, because my mother was a, an actress, a show business actress, and was also a cocktail waitress. I uh, was a showgirl and also got my master's degree in education and became a teacher. Well, anybody that knows, like, your dad, Rory Calhoun, or your mom, you know, both, it's obvious where you got your looks from, because really, talk about an attractive family, and, and also a family that's very comfortable in front of people, that kind of things. Was that, growing up with, with famous parents like that, does that make you kind of the outgoing person that you are today? Yes and no. <laughs> I kind of like, uh, I guess maybe it runs in the family. I'm actually kind of shy, but not when it comes to, I'm shy about some things, but I uh, feel completely comfortable on stage and speaking to people or, or performing in front of people. Uh, and certainly I'm no stranger to it. Um, and so, uh, 
Yeah, well, you know, I went, when I was a little girl, my mother wanted to try to get me into show business, and I was up for a little girl part in the movie Airport. And my mother could just try to drag me to the audition. I just wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I don't ask me why. I have no clue. And then later on, she tried to put me in dance classes. And, and I, after one class, I didn't want to go back. And I ended up becoming a dancer. So don't always listen to what your children want. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think that's what's sort of interesting. Uh, you know, growing up like that, and you kind of fought it a little bit. But then you go on, and you were named the world's most beautiful showgirl. And that was actually in Paris, though, right? What, what brought you back to Paris? Well, um, I, originally, I've done many shows here on the Strip. Uh, my, uh, I was actually at UNLV studying for my bachelor's when I went to an audition at the then MGM Grand, which is now the Bally's, uh, and I got the job. And uh, so that was Hallelujah Hollywood. And then uh, when that show closed, I auditioned for, uh, that was a Don Arden production. Then I auditioned for Bill Lloyd and ended up going to Spain and Europe for the first time and was back and forth and did uh, lead featured parts as a dancer and I was known as the Black Pearl in Spain and my uh, huge billboard was of me downtown and we were all the movie theaters, uh, you know, uh, clips of us dancing and so I went to Europe back and forth and then I, when I came back I ended up doing a lot more shows here on the Strip. I did um, uh, the Bal de Moulin Rouge at the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh, which is no longer here, and uh, I think it's now, what is it, the Westgate. And then I did uh, the Lido de Paris at the Stardust, which the Stardust has been imploded. Uh, I did two shows at the Riviera, which is no longer here either. Uh, for Nick Navarro, I did uh, Ultimate Burlesque, and then for Kenny Ortega, the choreographer of Salsa and Dirty Dancing, I did the Latin Quarter Show. And, and when I was in the Latin Quarter Show, uh, the, the hotel was approached to pick somebody to uh, send to Paris for the world's most beautiful showgirl competition. And the hotel uh, told me that I was their first and only and last pick. So I went to Paris, I competed in the competition and I won it. And that was a great thing and I came back and uh, I had a round, my prize was a round trip ticket to Paris and I brought my grandmother and my German Shepherd and ended up staying there and going back to Spain and living and dancing there. And, and I got offered a part in, in Paris. Now, my, that's just my one big career regret, is that I got offered to do the lead uh, principal role in the Moulin Rouge in Paris. And I turned them down because I was just coming off the world's most beautiful showgirl on my way to Spain. I was in love with Spain on the way back. And even on the way back, they said, well, would you at least be in the show? And I said, well, now I'm going home. So, you know, uh, this, this, so when, you, uh, when you're at the peak of your career, don't start turning down work. But I came back to Vegas and I ended up doing more shows. I, I uh, worked for um, Frederick Apcar, who did the famous Casino de Paris. But I auditioned for him and worked up and was his pr principal lead dancer in Zing in Reno. Came back and did Abracadabra at the then Aladdin Hotel, which is now Planet Hollywood. And uh, gee, 
that's a lot of Las Vegas shows. I don't know. There may I did a lot of modeling in Europe and television commercials and backup singing, dancing, and touring there with Eddie Calixto and his album release, The Advertance. But my very first job, right before I became a showgirl in show business, when I was 19, was at the Landmark Hotel, another landmark that's not there, with the Eddie Dare show. He was known as the White Horn, and I was a backup singer and dancer for him at 19, and that was the show right before I became a showgirl. It's an incredible history. You know, you mentioned the Black Pearl, and I can sort of get that. You've got these exotic looks with beautiful black hair, and that must have been an appeal, because, you know, as you think about showgirls, one of the ways you become the world's most beautiful showgirl is to kind of stand out. So was that something with, with the long black hair that's always kind of been part of the appeal? Well, I'm used to standing out because, like you said, my, my parents uh, were very beautiful or and still my mother still is, uh, very beautiful show business people. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, in Spain, they called me the Black Pearl. I was different. I just looked different. And those exotic looks you talked about uh, made, were difficult for my mother when she was an actress. That's why she was always a guest star in Hollywood, because she had the olive complexion and the dark hair and kind of golden eyes and it just wasn't the girl next door look. So she got a lot of uh, guest star roles in Hollywood, and that's what she was known for. And when I came back to Vegas, I tried to model. And as we know, Vegas is not a place you uh, come to to live to if you're going to model or be in show business. It's great for dancing and singing. And so, I, again, I was too exotic for you know the modeling they wanted here, although I did do a fair amount of modeling, uh, mainly convention shows and things, but I did a lot of modeling. In, in Madrid. And did you consider going to Hollywood, kind of following in your dad's footsteps, try to get in film? Or was this just a better feel for you in the, in the dance and so forth? Well, you know, it, it, I, it would seem the path that I would follow to go to Hollywood, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm glad I was a dancer, however, because it really put my body in great shape. When you're a dancer, I was a showgirl dancer, and when you are a performing artist and your body is your instrument you look at other people like they're just regular people they're just you know whereas your body is an instrument that is finely toned you know uh, uh, worked out and toned but I thought I would end up going to Hollywood and, and be a famous movie star but uh, you know later on my mom says well the first thing you should do is have your dad get you an agent so I asked my father and he said his agent was all booked booked up and and that was it and I for some reason never pursued it I did have uh, I did have an interview with David Wolper the head of Warner Brothers Studios and uh, he at that time I think he had just finished Roots and they were thinking about doing an Indian a Native American Indian uh, version of Roots and he said uh, that uh, you know he would think of me for that and I'm gonna let you in on a little piece of trivia here he said do you want to be an actress or do you just want to be a kept woman and I said I want to be an actress <laughs> and so and so he said okay I'll keep you in mind and uh, and then I got the audition for with Bill Lloyd and went to Spain and and it's kind of like I ended up getting caught up in the dancing performing show business rather than the acting show business but i wish i would have yeah. well you know before we get off the topic of showgirls though i think it's really important because people do associate vegas with showgirls i mean that came up in the 50s I, oscar goodman when he was mayor would bring around i think he still does that brings around a couple of showgirls but i think people need to understand 
is a lot more than just being tall and looking pretty, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you have to, as you said before, keep your body in incredible shape. You have to be very athletic. There's, there's a lot more to it than just showing up. Let me just say this. Dancers, artists are wonderful people. I'd rather be in an artistic people's company than anyone else because you, you can express yourself freely. You know, it's a wonderful thing compared to regular people or business people. But, there, you know, it takes a lot of hard work. You know, you're performing every night, two, three shows a night, six, seven nights a week. Uh, and when you're not performing, you're in dance classes. You know, you have to take at least three dance classes a week to stay in shape. And four if you want to advance. At one point, I was taking 12 dance classes a week. And that included ballet, uh, jazz, modern, tap, um, flamenco, African dance, um, what, is there something else? I'm sure there is, because there was 12 of them. Belly dancing, I've taken that too, and I love it all. And you know, but when I was when I was uh, won the world's most beautiful showgirl, and I came back to Las Vegas and the Riviera, uh, right away the David Letterman show wanted me to have him on his show, and that would have been a nice springboard for me. Uh, but the people who produce the world's most beautiful showgirl, TriStar Productions refused to release it because they didn't want anyone to know ahead of the programming on television of the special who won. So they, they, they blocked me from getting on David Letterman. However, thankfully, the Riviera Hotel, Michelin Rickless, the owner and the entertainment director, Sam DiStefano, said, no, we're sorry, but we're very proud of what she did and we're going to publicize it. If that wouldn't have happened, who knows if I would have even gotten publicity. So they publicized it and I had uh, some writers from the newspaper, newspaper The Sun and other people interview me and one of the things that they did say was that I wasn't your typical showgirl. Now, yes, you have to be at least 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and I'm 5'9", and uh, but a lot of them were six foot, and yes, you do have to be tall, and you do have to have uh, dance uh, ability, okay? Uh, but I wasn't your typical, like, showgirl in the sense that I'm only 5'9", not six foot, uh, and... And, uh, you know, I'm not voluptuous. I have more, I, I have uh, nice curves, I'd like to say, but, you know, not overly voluptuous. And, and that was changing. And showgirls over time had become more dancer showgirls than just showgirls. So they had more dance capability as well. I imagine it was continually competitive. I'm listening to you talk about that. As these things change, is a whole new group of people coming here because just like they go to Hollywood coming here is a place where they're all going to be superstars so you've got competition constantly which I guess is why you do 12 dance classes that kind of thing well, I don't think it's necessary to do 12 uh, but a week, but to get in. But when I, when a friend of mine, I was, t I was actually at UNLV and I was taking an acting class there because I took many acting classes, voice, uh, musical instruments, uh, dancing, a lot of dance. And uh, one of the girls who was in my acting class said, you know, why don't you come audition for Hallelujah Hollywood? It's a very big show. They always need a lot of people. They're looking for showgirls. So the time that I came was actually in between the big auditions, I actually got a private audition with the very famous, uh, one of the women show business pioneers of Las Vegas, Fluff Lacoe, who recently passed away in the last year or two. And uh, 
and I got a private audition with her and she took me up to see the management and she said you are there you're so beautiful do you have any sisters and and they knew I was Rory Calhoun's daughter and they they did do some publicity with me however let me say this that uh, there is no more showgirl in Las Vegas. The showgirl era has ended. The last show was Jubilee at Bally's. I was there for closing night, February 11th of last year, and uh, Fluff Laco was still alive then. Uh, and it, it, the era ended even before that, but that was the last rhinestone and feathers show. Now, they have a, everything Cirque du Soleil now, and they have a lot, you know, whereas they had the English and the French girls and a lot of American girls in these shows. Now it's predominantly Eastern European acrobats and everything, and it's wonderful. However, what they call showgirls now are not showgirls. They don't have the height. They don't have the build. They don't have the looks. They don't know how to use their body, and they're not real showgirls. It is interesting how this town continues to evolve and so forth. So you evolved as well. You got into, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess it was a lifelong thing with nutrition and so forth. But you were doing some of that. And I know part of that, didn't that come from kind of your dad, unfortunately, died kind of young. Uh, certainly younger than he should have, you know. Um, he was 76 when he passed away. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. He, 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 but you know, he worked all the way from 19 or 20 years old in show business, all the way just about, I think one of his first movies was A Song in My Heart or The Red House. He was very, very young. And the last uh, one was uh, Country, uh, what's it called? Country, he was, he was in the, uh, um, Falcon Crest series, but then he did that. The last one was the country uh, western one, and but he had a full career. But he had had a hard life. He had fallen off horses and things like that, and he did like to smoke and drink. So, uh, but you know, uh, my father uh, loved animals. He loved the outdoors, uh, and he had worked many jobs before show business, and uh, a lot of them outdoors. And my mother, uh, when she was a little girl, her mother, my grandmother, took her to a market and she saw an animal slaughtered there and, and became a vegetarian. And so she raised me that way. So I was raised vegetarian uh, to, and caring about animals. You were involved with something that happened around here with the Brewsters. Now, I didn't think they still did, certainly in this country, cockfighting, but I guess there's just awful things that happen with the... Uh... <laughs> To, to animals everywhere and certainly even in this country you know um, I have really uh, my mother and I have always been vegetarian um, vegans and animal activists but you know uh, this past year I've really taken it to a world scale I mean I've done it in my life and every life that has touched mine around me uh, I do have an animal sanctuary, the Mother Sanctuary, and it's for uh, homeless animals who have come to me. Um, there's just a lot of people who just let their animals go. They have to move. They just let them go. Uh, you know, a lot of different things happen, and I and so I do have a, a, a sanctuary where I have cats and uh, tortoises and chickens and dogs and you know uh, it's like a small animal farm. But getting now getting involved on a world scale with signing all the petitions and 
And, I, and then so finally I created a petition. And what happened was they found 600 roosters were taken away uh, because they broke up a cockfighting ring here. And, uh, and, and so they were all going to be euthanized. And I just thought that was horrible. So I started a petition to stop it. And uh, in the end, you know, there's only so much you can do so fast, but I think they, they gave homes to a lot of them. I got in contact with a lot of people uh, in, in, in uh, the government, local government here, and found out that, you know, there's a new law in uh, Nevada, and that's that if you are found to abuse animals in every way, it's a felony and you go to jail. So thank God. The one, what's the catch-22? Well, now the people are going to be per prosecuted, but what happens to the animals? Well, they're taken to the shelter and and asphyxiated or gassed, you know, like they did with the, the Jews in Germany. I mean, it's not... <laughs> so, you know, I think let's take it a step further and, you know, make sure the animals are protected. So, you've obviously had a fascinating life, but you still got plenty more to go. Anything on the uh, anything on the uh, horizon for you? Anything you want to, you'd like to get involved with or do something? I, I assume you're going to hang around this area. You like it here. Well, right now I'm involved in uh, in uh, marketing research. I'm interviewing people uh, for this CBS News and the New York Times, and uh, doing that for now while I'm you know involved in it's a brand new year i'm very excited about the new year my birthday's in two days and i'm very excited about my birthday the new year for me the new year for everybody and there's a lot of new things going on don't isn't there this year uh with uh, donald trump in office now but uh you know i have just I've, I've kicked it up a couple notches all over again all the things i've believed in all my life you know i really you know, I've renewed my commitment to going organic because that's, you know, with the Monsanto and, and, and the clear-cut clearing of the forest so that they, uh, if you, to, graze, to grow grass, to graze cows, you know, the whole thing is ecologically not sound. So I've, the reason why I'm doing, uh, renewed my uh, commitment to being vegan and organic is because if you're vegetarian, that's great. So you're not killing any animals, and, and that's a wonderful thing. However, if you have their, their products, like the milk, the butter, the cheese, you're not killing the animal to get it. But what's going on with the animals that produce it? So my thing is, don't just look at the pretty plate, you know, cup full of this or plate full of that on your table. Follow it back. Follow the trail to the origin. How did it get there? What's going on? Those very same animals that are not killed to give us the dairy are still kept uh, imprisoned, enslaved in industrial uh, animal, uh, you know, it it's a bad thing. And so eventually those animals who are giving us the milk are still treated in the same poor conditions that the ones that are used for meat. And eventually they are used for meat as well. So I've renewed my commitment not only to be vegetarian, but to be mainly vegan uh, for myself, for the animals. And the same thing with organic. It's healthy for me and it's healthy for the planet. Well, Athena, thank you so much. Happy birthday and uh, best of luck to you. Perhaps in a couple of years, we'll have you on once again when you've got some new endeavor. Best of luck. Well, hopefully uh, there'll be some exciting new news in a couple of months rather than a couple of years. And thank you very much, Steve. I enjoyed it. Please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go! Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go.
Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. Call 800-923-8625. That's 800-923-8625. 800-923-8625. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. Place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310 310- Five three four four one eight zero, or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is three one zero. Five three four four one eight zero. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50 pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. That's 800-870-3609. Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-344-2066. 800-344-2066. That's 800-344-2066. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. 